Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Royally Us. I'm your host, Christine Garibaldi. This week, we go inside the royal family's Easter holiday as reports surface that William and Harry are getting back on better terms for the sake of their late mother, Princess Diana. As always, I am joined by Molly Molshine, the host of the Diva Behavior podcast, and we are joined by Rachel Birchfield, editor of the blog What Megan Wore, who helps us break down the never-ending feud between Kate and Megan. Hi, Molly. How are you? Hi, Christina. I'm great. How about you? I'm doing good. We got a lot of uh, royal news to get to this week. We're slowly like coming down the mountain of the tell-all interview, so not going to talk about that as much. <laughs> we're going to need a new tell-all interview soon. Somebody Seriously, we're going to need something. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our royal roundup and kick it off with how the royals celebrated the Easter holiday. Again, it looks a little bit different this year. Right. So William and Kate posted, they posted a very interesting Instagram video of a reverse of an egg being smashed, which really was interesting. And it made me learn that kids don't do Easter baskets here. They do like one big chocolate egg that's full of other chocolate eggs. So interesting. apparently that is what uh, Louie and Charlotte and George did. They just enjoyed their eggs. Uh, we had reporting that said they don't normally get to eat candy. So this was a very big deal for them. Very big deal. Yes. We, we also got reporting that they made personalized Easter eggs for Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip, which I'm sure they very much appreciated, had their own little egg hunt. So it seems like it was a well celebrated holiday for the family, but yes, but Easter celebrations were canceled this year, like last year. So definitely these traditions these Easter traditions haven't really been able to kind of move forward. Right. We didn't get to see the Royals walk to St. George's Chapel mm. for Easter Sunday service, which is unfortunate because that's always a nice, fun spring fashion moment. <gasps> but we did see some fun photos of the Queen and Prince Charles standing next to each other. Yes. Outside. 
it was it was very like an awkward staged moment but I mean whatever yeah. it was good to see them both out and about and together sort of endearingly awkward and some more like social media trickery where they were like go over to this one to see the other photo that's the same but in a slightly different place I was like wow they must have some new social media people yes tricking us and teasing us yeah. um, but while those Easter festivities were canceled the queen did devise a safe and socially distant way to carry out her pre-Easter tradition known as Monday Thursday. Right. So I had never heard of this before either. No. <laughs> I guess it's usually overshadowed by the photos of them walking to the church, but apparently the Thursday before Easter is known as Maundy Thursday, and she, the queen distributes money called Maundy money to people who've done good work in the church and in the community. Most of them are older people, and she used to hand out the coins in person, but this year she sent them out with a letter. Yes, a very a personalized letter to like 190 people, which was very nice. So uh, definitely trying to keep those traditions alive, trying to keep them going. And we actually learned that she, the Queen has a, quite a bit of a playful side. In the new ITV documentary, The Queen and Her Cousins, English actor and presenter Alexander Armstrong said that he discovered handwritten notes framed in the bathroom of the Queen's former equerry, Sir Blair Stewart Wilson. I love this because the letters weren't exactly from the Queen. Right. So the queen was writing letters in character as her dogs to the equerry, and he would return those letters in character as his dog, which was a Jack Russell terrier. So the Jack Russell and the corgis would be going back and forth. And Armstrong said that the notes were so wickedly funny that he was holding his stomach from laughing. I love that. I want to see those notes. I know. Give it to us. And it, it's fun because you don't really hear about the Queen's playful side all that much. I mean, you see, like, I mean, in documentaries and when we watch The Crown, she's very stoic, very put together, you know. But it's nice to see that she kind of lets it all down lets, and likes to have a laugh every now and then. I think the corgis bring it out of her. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Well, the Queen has had a few, uh, a busy few couple of days. Making, uh, she made her first public appearance of the year outside of Windsor Castle to mark the centenary of the Royal. Australian Air Force. So yeah, the Queen was honoring the Royal Australian Air Force, which she has done many times over the years, even dating back to World War II. And this was her first public appearance in nearly five months. Wow. It's been a long time, right? Because I think the last one was in November, I think. So it's been, it's been a while. And, you know, it's good to see her out and about. Like you said, you know, lockdown is lifting in London in a few days. So hopefully we'll see more of them kind of um, making some public appearances, which will be great. And she's been fully vaccinated mm -hmm. and she's going maskless. So yeah. I guess I cool. She's feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Prince William is calling for a global movement to tackle climate change. The future king spoke at the Conservation International Gala, reminding everyone that conservation is a global team effort. You know, we've talked about this so many times on the show that he is so passionate about climate change. He's got um, this Earthshot campaign going on to encourage people to kind of go out and, you know, help the environment. And, you know, he's just kind of doing his part and continuing to spread that message. Right. And I love his point that if we could handle the vaccination thing, we should be able to put a little more effort into climate change. You yeah. know, like the whole world has mobilized to get like a fairly smooth rollout of the vaccines. So his point is, why can't we do the same thing? Yeah, totally. Issue? Totally agree. All right. Well, now it is time to spill the royal tea. And we are hearing that Harry has no regrets about leaving his royal duties. I mean, you know, he he's, has a new job. He is, you know, starting at this tech company and, you know, they have Netflix, they have Spotify. So it seems like he's really 
you know, like we said before, kind of leaving the royal life in the past. And, you know, he can't really look back at it and have regrets. Right. He really jumped into the 21st century with all these jobs too. Yes, <laughs> totally. He really so did. centric And he said that relocating to the U.S. is the best decision he's ever made. So take that British people who make fun of the U.S. all the time. <laughs> Take that. All right. Well, as for William, we are hearing that he is really not so happy with his brother, shocking, um, and how he has handled the fallout from his tell-all interview, especially with Harry telling Gail King about their conversations, which have not been productive. I mean, I kind of understand that. I probably wouldn't be too happy with my uh, sister either if she went to Gail King and said that, you know, these conversations weren't productive. But, you know, you know, it's so hard because the royal motto, never complain, never explain. And then you have Harry kind of laying it all out there. Yeah, I was also surprised that he took it to Gail. I was like, oh, I didn't know they were that close. Right. I didn't know she was like a spokesperson for them now. But yeah, it, apparently he, apparently William also wants to speak out. But, you know, people within the firm are saying, no, you can't do that. So mm-hmm. I guess it's just going to be an ongoing struggle within the family. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the brothers have reportedly put their personal or will put their personal issues temporarily aside for the sake of their late mother, Princess Diana, because they have this uh, statue unveiling coming up in July. And, you know, they both have to sign off on what the final uh, statue is going to look like. So they do have to collaborate on this project. Right. This is going to be the event that is watched Mm -hmm. around the world, I think, on July 1st when they unveil this statue. It would have been popular already just because obviously people love everything to do with Princess Diana. But now it's going to be, you know, looking to see how they look at each other, how they act. All of the body language experts of the world are going to be seeing a boost in business. Yeah, totally. It's going to be interesting. And we've also seen how just how frosty they can be in public. Mm -hmm with that Commonwealth Day event last year. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what goes on with right. that. Right. Not really good at hiding their emotions. So. Right. You would think they would be. They're right. supposed to be like the British stereotype. Right. But guess not. <laughs> guess not. Well, now it is time to break down the royal rules. And to help us do that is Rachel Birchfield, editor for the blog, What Megan Wore, and co-host of Podcast Royal. Now, ever since Megan joined the royal family, it has been Megan versus Kate. And we kind of wanted to break this down a little bit more. Take a look. Well, ever since, you know, the interview that people are still talking about, you know, a month later, you know, it's always Kate versus Megan. And this has been going on for years. I mean, why do you feel that people need to pick a side? Yeah, you're right. It has been going on for years. And I'm so, so, so glad that you brought this up because this has bothered me for years. Um, It may have intensified even more post-interview, but the pitting of the two women against each other has been going on for, I'd say, at least three years now, and it, and it bothers me. You can love Megan and not hate Kate, and you mm. can love Kate and not hate Megan. Right, exactly. Can you recall a particular moment or news cycle when you first started to see this phenomenon sort of rear its head? Yeah, I would say it was right after the um, that rumor started circulating in the tabloids about um, Megan making Kate cry mm-hmm. around the time of Megan's wedding in 2018. So it was about three years ago this May that they got married. And so I would say around that time, kind of the wheels started to fall off. Yeah. I mean, would you hope that they, or did you feel that maybe the two of them should should have put on a united front when rumors started swirling about them? Should they have, you know, 
put down this story back three years ago rather than wait three years for Megan to sit down and kind of set the record straight? You know, I don't, I don't think they should have had to do that or anything they weren't comfortable with for that matter. I think in the beginning, of course, everyone hoped that Kate and Megan would just be the absolute best of friends and braid each other's hair every Friday night and go get Manny Petties together. When in reality, how many of us can say that our sister-in-law is our absolute best friend, right? right? So maybe some of us, but for most of us, we like our sister-in-law. We enjoy seeing her at family functions. But that's about it. And these two women are very different women on multiple levels. And them being cordial wasn't enough. They were forced to either be best friends or enemies. There was that mm -hmm. dichotomy there. Yeah, there's like nothing in between. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, some people argue that Megan added fuel to the rivalry fire with this interview. And others are saying she was just trying to diffuse the situation. So where do you fall on that debate? Yeah, I will say truthfully, that part of the interview where she says it was the reverse that Kate really made her cry was compared to the rest of the powerful interview, a part I felt could have been left out. Mm -hmm. But obviously, this story deeply bothered Megan, and she saw it as the beginning of her real trouble with the tabloid press and the moment where she realized that the palace apparently wasn't going to defend her. So that's why it matters so much and why she felt the need to say it, I'm sure. And you know, it's her truth. And remember, Megan did say that Kate is a good person. Mm -hmm. So I think she was able to get that off her chest while also reminding viewers of Oprah, the Oprah interview that the two have made up and they've long moved on. So why can't we? Right, exactly. Why do you think the palace didn't correct the story that Megan made Kate cry? You know, it likely all goes back to the palace's never complain, never explain way of thinking. And I'm not saying that I agree with that or think it's right, but they don't comment on stories like that because they feel it would open up the floodgates and then they'd have to comment on every story. Uh, again, I'm not defending that decision, but that's their rationale. Mm -hmm. I mean, so what do you think would need to change for women who marry into the royal family to avoid such scrutiny? Would it, would it be for them to kind of come forward and kind of put a squash to a lot of these stories? Yeah, that would definitely be breaking protocol. But mm -hmm. um, we have to remember that the queen is a woman of habit, a creature mm -hmm. of habit. And that protocol, when her reign ends, could completely change with Charles. And there are some parts, and as much as I love the queen, please don't get me wrong, I think there are some parts of her... Um, her habits that should change and mm -hmm. should modernize. And I think, you know, we need to see these women, Megan, Kate, any other woman who should marry into the family, not as royal wives, but as women mm -hmm. and as women who fell in love with a man who just so happened to be royal and to treat them as humans with inherent value and give them the benefit of the doubt of being good people and not out for personal gain and allow them the chance to love and be loved just mm -hmm. as we would all want to be. I think respect is the bottom line. Definitely make sure you check out um, Rachel's blog, What Megan Wore. It's fantastic. And listen to her podcast, Podcast Royal. So Absolutely. yeah, it's very cool. All right. Well, moving on to our Royal History Moment of the Week. And Andrew Morton is revealing the close bond between Queen Elizabeth and Princess Margaret in his brand new book. We're so excited about this because we don't really know too much about it. Yes, we see it on the crown and how their kind of dynamic plays out, but he's really kind of giving us an in-depth breakdown. 
Right. And from what we've read from the excerpts so far, it does seem like the crown sort of got it pretty Mm -hmm. accurate. Mm -hmm. It seems that Princess Margaret, while she may have been a bit resentful of the way that her life was not as laid out for her as the Queen's was, she still was fiercely loyal to the Queen and the royal family. And apparently she was the one who would speak up when the Queen wouldn't. So that's It was interesting. It was interesting to see where they really differed the most. And that was around Princess Diana's funeral because Princess Margaret wanted it to be a private citizen funeral and not a big event. Right. Which obviously would never have worked because of the public interest involved. And then also in the book, Andrew Morton says that Princess Margaret was heard talking to the queen about upgrading the toilets in Kensington Palace while they were waiting for the funeral procession to a lot to arrive. So that's cold. <laughs> that's real cold. That's real cold. Well, we're going to dive into this even further next week because Andrew is going to join us on the show. So if you have any questions about his book that you want us to ask Andrew, please let us know in the comments below because it'll definitely be an interesting interview. All right. Before we wrap up, we have to check in on our Royal kids. George, Charlotte, and Louie have been, who have been enjoying some time at home with the holiday um, and some spring break. And they have been up to some horseback riding. Yes. I mean, maybe we could even see an Olympic medal in their futures because the Princess Anne and Zara Tyndall have both medaled in the Olympics for the UK team riding horses. Obviously, we know the Queen loves horses. And apparently, George has taken riding lessons on a pony that belongs to Zara Tyndall. And all of the kids are really into horses. Yeah, all really into horses. We got some reporting that, you know, Kate was a little hesitant about letting Charlotte start horseback riding because she's a little young. But, you know, Better, you know, got to start them young. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Definitely got to, yes. But it's it's basically horseback riding is in their blood. So whether they like it or not, they're going to get up on a pony. <laughs> right. And the story specified that they are mucking out, which is cleaning up the horse's pen. So <laughs> we all know what that means. And yep. more power to them. Put them to work. I love it. Yeah. All right, Molly, thank you so much. That's it for this week's episode of Royally Us. Make sure you check back on Us Weekly's YouTube channel every Wednesday at 1030. Keep commenting, keep subscribing, and Molly and I will see you next week. <laughs>